Hello everybody and welcome to The Bit Effect. Today we have to have a talk. On a previous episode, I said the immortal phrase, Shinji Mikami has never let me down. <laughs> well today we're going to interrogate that statement. With Ghostwire Tokyo! With me on this ghostly episode is the ghost of a dog that stayed by a train station waiting for its dead master, Craig. Woof. As, as you can see, <laughs> it's very sad. <laughs> Alright, so um, there's a couple, little bit of admin I'd like to get out of the way before we start, and not like the whole Shinji Mikami statement. Um, as you know, we took a break. And I should have said this earlier, but I didn't because I'm stupid. We've decided the best way for us to handle this without it interfering with all of our lives, since we all have kids and marriages and stuff, is if we record them in batches, kind of like we do with No More Sages. So, all of that is just to say, if the world exploded and we're sitting here normally talking about, I don't know, Dolores or Ghostwire Tokyo and you're like, guys, why aren't you talking about eh? Well, that's why. That and well, Craig's just totally unprofessional. Oh, absolutely. I'm 100% unprofessional. Alright, you heard it there, Your Honor. True. Now, all of that stuff aside, let's get to Ghostwire Tokyo. Craig, why don't you read the stats? Yeah, sure. So, Ghostwire Tokyo was developed by Tango Frameworks. Tango Gameworks. Gango Frame... Oh my Gango god. Gango Frameworks. Tokyo. 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 Tokyo Ghostwire. The problem is Tokyo Ghostwire and Tango Gameworks both have TGs. Yeah, but the, the name of the game is Ghostwire Tokyo. Oh yeah. Ghostwire Tokyo delivered, de developed by Gameworks Tango. Uh, which is Shinji Megami's uh, development studio, uh, was released in 2022. So it's actually relatively new. Wow. Uh, and it was published by Bethesda because they must, they, I like Bethesda published everything they've done. Do they, they must have a stake in it or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's a single player action adventure, part open world, part storytelling, wonderful thing. Uh, you can't say, you can't say wonderful. No. We no, it said parts to, part open world and part wonderful. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, for me personally, of course, there's no history of this because it's a new game. But this was something that uh, when they started doing like the PS5 sizzle wheels a little while back, this was one of the ones, you know, you see you see the guy doing all like the hand motions and the, the ghost thing being like, ah, like it was, ooh, what is that? Uh, so yep. this has been on my like, wish list for a, quite a while what about you craig yeah i i was the same i looked at it as like i really like the kind of look of it it's very neon bright ghostly really traditional japanese architecture mixed with everything neon and glowing it looked really cool and because it didn't it didn't sell itself just as a pure horror game it was never like it's this is uh the next big horror game I I was like, yeah, this this looks like a game for me. So I, I was the same. I was looking forward to it for a while. Um, yeah, and we should probably state that right off the bat. This is 
now you're super sensitive to horror. I am a nerd to it. But to me, this has no horror elements to it, really. This is as much horror as Control was. Yeah. This, uh, yeah, definitely. Right line there. All right. So um, we're going to try to keep the story light. And we will, of course, do our little story spoiler wall. But for right now, let's talk about mechanics. Because this game has mechanics. Does it use them well? <laughs> um, okay, so... On your moment-to-moment play, this is pretty much a first-person shooter in the vein of a Ubisoft game. Now, Craig, you're way more familiar with Ubisoft than I am. What would be your usual Ubisoft experience? Yeah, so your open-world experience in a Ubisoft stroke Ghostwire Tokyo, Tokyo Ghostwire World is you have a map which is... To start with, it's obscured in some way, shape or form and you have to reach a point on the map to unearth or get rid of the fog of war of certain maps. There are collectibles, of course, strewn throughout the entire game and there is some traversal and some bits and bobs. Your map, as it unlocks, will show you points of interest or side quest markers, mission markers... And generally speaking, what you're going to be doing is going across an open world to complete a series of tasks that someone has given you. And it is always, or not always, but it's mostly, go here to find this person or thing, then take this thing here or do this with this person. Uh, That's the kind of whole structure of the game, or, or the open world portion of it anyway. You've got, yeah, open world, towers to unlock, and... Yeah, people that's skill point. Don't feel like you are oh, yep, amassing yep. skill points at an alarming rate, and generally, what that means is your skill points aren't worth much. Like this is very much in the vein of you can now shoot twelve per point seven percent faster. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, all right, that's fine. Um, it it does like this is a game that not to not to put too fine a point on it. It feels like it's stuck between ideologies right like um me and craig have talked a lot about this off air while we were playing it because it was a roller coaster ride oh yeah uh, oh uh, yeah it was a big one okay so i guess the best way to breach this topic is let's talk about the traversal first so running about the town we have got you know, various mantling mechanics eventually you end up unlocking the ability to essentially grapple to certain points. It's not quite grappling, but we don't need to get into the nitty-gritty of floating yeah. ghostly birds and stuff like that. Uh, you can grapple, you can mount, you can go indoors and outdoors and things like that. And as you're going about the town, you end up... The, all the enemies have, you know, like what you would think are basic vision cones and things. You're trying to figure out spots, so you'll hit a campy type bit. It'll be a temple or a shrine, and you you can survey the land, find a high point to go up to to figure out the enemy movements, and then far cry stealth your way through killing people. Or what I ended up doing, because the combat is so crap, is just running in Dave style and... <laughs> Flinging what I had at people—it was the general, the general gist of things. Now, I will. I there, there is a slight disagreement there. I don't think the combat is crap. 
I, I think the combat oh, okay. is a slight step above most first-person open-world games, right? Like a Dying Light 2 kind of thing. Um, or Dying Light 1. Or a Dead Island. Or all of those terrible games. Um, okay, so you may think to yourself, this sounds fun. Because you're in an area where you're not familiar with the architecture, right? Because... Evidently, Japanese architecture is very different than Western architecture. You've got little tiny stairways that go everywhere. They're just socked onto the side of a building. And the way they build things is different. And this doesn't go yeah. for a Yakuza-style uh, super realistic look. But you can definitely tell just from looking at buildings, oh, this is not in America. And I would imagine you can look at it and go, this isn't Scotland. Oh, definitely. You can go this isn't Scotland. You can go a step further um, because it turns out that the Japanese build staircases that you can't actually walk up as well. Like somehow <laughs> there's all these staircases and buildings, but you can only walk up certain ones. Some staircases are built only for garbage bags and they just uh -huh, have garbage yeah. bags all the way up. Um, so, so it's kind of fun to see the environment, but you have the problem of things being mushy. And I know that's a terrible descriptor when you're listening in audio, but like sometimes your float button, because you have a limited glide, will kick in halfway through your jump animation. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it'll kick off as soon as you fall off a building. Things are very, I guess the better word would be imprecise. Sometimes you have to look up to grapple. Sometimes you don't. Uh, it, it is a little frustrating when it comes to, I want to get to the top of that building and there's no Tengu. Uh, Tengus are your grapple points. Think of like Sekiro. We're like, oh, grapple point. Um, so the exploration is not fun in terms of the gameplay for me, but it is fun in terms of seeing the difference in architecture. Yeah. Like the first, the first wee while you're in it, it is really cool walking about, looking. You've got your mobs of people. There's an ethereal parade of people that looks and sounds terrifying as well. So there's all these wee elements that make everything look cool yeah, I, and feel cool. Like, it, it feels... When I hit it, I was like, this is different for an open world. I quite like this. It just doesn't... You, it doesn't maintain that feeling. No, no, and, and, and you can see little sparks of it, right? Like, um, did you run across any of those yokai, like the long-necked ladies? I cannot yeah, remember yeah. a lot of the names. But yeah. it's like, oh, that's really cool. You, you use the architecture well to hide the ghost. Or yokai, I'm sorry. Um, yes, same as Yakuza, this is a Japanese game. We will probably mispronounce things terribly. Um, oh, yeah. 100%. So... Craig, you mentioned you did not like the combat. What What is the problem you find with the combat? I, I didn't mind it to start. So your combat is like flicking magic things at things. I, I don't know what any of the terminology is at all because I, I just kind of breezed my way through it. But you are... What's, the, what's that thing called when you do the thing with your hand? I believe over there it's called an omyo and it's kind of like an yeah. exorcist slash spiritualist. Yeah. Yeah, you can do it's the combat is very much like that, but you have a you have a close up attack. You've got ranged attacks, you know. You've got all these things. My problem with the combat is the enemy type, the enemy variety isn't that great, and some enemies take ages to go down when you just want them to die. But most importantly, the combat doesn't change that much from when you start the game to when you finish it. Like it's the same tr tricks to take down a specific enemy that ha work all the way through the game. These This kind of extends into some of the boss fights where 
the same mechanics, the same you have to do the same thing to kill bosses or mini bosses that happen in the open world as well. So it just became so monotonous for me. And because stealth was so inefficient and ter- like stealthing in this is an option, but it's a terrible option. Agreed. It's a terrible, <laughs> it's a terrible way to do it. I like stealth, but this is terrible. Um, it loses the spark. No, God, I was going to say the spark that a Ubisoft game has. Oh, that is yeah, not... you watch your mouth, sir. Yeah, it, it loses the allure of a Ubisoft game or an open world Tom Clancy game where you can choose. Oh, it's back to that. You can choose what you're going to do with this situation. You can't. It looks, this... it looks like they're trying to go for the Batman or Spider-Man style of stealth with, you know, very active knockout. But it just it doesn't work. I yeah. now this is a problem that will haunt us at a future date, um, where we take a trip to France. So keep this problem in mind. Now there are some things about the combat I like. Number one, it seems like Shinji Mikami looked at Resident Evil Seven and went, "Oh hey yeah, a block button is a really cool idea." <laughs> Did you really use it at all? No, no, I didn't. I didn't use a lot of block. I I just did uh, a general strafing, shooting, shooting, let's just call it shooting, and um, running away tactic. It was my my big thing. And towards the end of the game, certainly in the open world sections, if I knew I had to get to a house because the mission continued inside that house, I knew that was going to be pretty cool. So I made a beeline for it. Um... Oh, just just to be clear as well, the the big open world difference between this and a Ubisoft game for me came when uh, you've got a fog of war that you can't lift on the map, but you can't actually enter the areas that you haven't unlocked because it's just surrounded by a literal fog that if you go into, you die, which bugged the ever-loving crap out of me because I could have dealt with not having a mini-map to just make a beeline, but you had to take a diversion to unlock that bit of the map to carry on the story, and it felt so... It ruined the pacing completely for me having to do things like that to just mainline the story. Oh, oh, um... Yes, the, uh, what's it called? Like, like, it didn't flow of, like, oh, the objective point is close to one of the shrines. Yeah, like you could have just done is. something like that to make it a little bit smoother. Uh-huh. Now, there was one point where there was a mission marker and I had to unlock three of the Tory gates to get to the mission marker. Like, that's just naff. It that's was, just naff. Would it have helped if instead of fog, it was giant piles of garbage on stairways? <laughs> would that have helped? <laughs> um. Okay, so you mentioned the enemy design too. And I do want mm-hmm. to state, I think the enemy design is fantastic in this. Yeah, It is yeah. really cool. They must have ran out of interest about halfway through and went, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we got enough. Yeah. Like, the, I, the uh, first enemy. Oh, sorry. No, on you go. On you I was going to say, I like how this subscribes to the idea that fat people can generally take more damage than skinny people. I like that because um, you have your skinny guys and then your fat guys and your fat guys are scarier. Because they're fat. Um, so so this pulls enemy designs from traditional yokai, kind of like uh, Western studios do with mythology. So, you know, like we pull from griffins, they pull from 
the thing that sticks its hand up your butt and steals your soul with your poop. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, Craig, in terms of, of seeing new monsters and new enemy types, were you familiar with all of these? Wasn't familiar with all of them. I mean, you do see things like the um, the poop guy, and I like you recognize bits and bobs of pools from playing Persona and things like yes, that. Yes, yes, that's got that's got everyone in it. But the one that I loved the absolute most was the kind of like I don't know if it's a schoolgirl or t- like it's a it's a lady in a white dress with the big pair of scissors. Frantically moving about the place, trying to cut your hair. Oh yeah, yeah. They they are very yeah. Um, the schoolgirls are your well, I guess the schoolboys and girls are just stock mm-hmm. standard like the invisible Japanese. people. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very cool. Um, I was a big fan of like the kappas, where you had that you had to get a cucumber and put it down and be like, all right, don't be seen by them. Like they they really worked in mythology well to this. Uh huh. And then they stop. I've got to say, like the 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 very first enemy type you meet is your most standard of mobs. It's a black-suited, weird-faced person with an umbrella. Which yeah, it's pretty much Slenderman. Uh, it's pretty much Slenderman. But the thing that got me was the way they... Like, I first saw one, and I I, I swear to God, it did that don't blink from Doctor Who <laughs> thing, where it just went... And all of a sudden, it's in your face, and I was like, oh, crap. Um, Some I, of the stuff they do is fantastic. Oh, yeah, the animations, the flavor, mm-hmm. all this stuff is great. It's just there's so tiny of a number of them. Like, I, I personally, I would have preferred ditch the open world, make more enemies, because you guys are great at doing that. And even in the past games, in, like, Evil Within, oh, hey, you guys have really cool enemy design, but they have the same problem they have here, where it's like, oh, you made six of them. Cool, cool. Um, I, I was um, I was a little disappointed. There were things you saw, like like the paper dogs that you had to chase, right? That yeah. you never end up interacting with outside of these little in a box kind of encounters, and that's it. Like the long neck yokai that I can never remember the name of. Um, in terms of combat, there there were a few things that I thought were cool. First, were you a wind, a fire, or a water guy? I went between the three of them. They're kind of they've got their uses. You know, one of them's range, one of them's got an AOE, and one of them's basically a machine gun. Is the way I looked at it. Yeah, you know, like and there's not enough there's not enough mechanics there to mean that you have some. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe sometimes you have to use a specific element on a specific enemy, but for the most part. Swapping between them and generally dealing with the situation just just worked. So I would just swap in and there was never a point where you felt like you were running out of any particular ammo type. Unless you were using like a fire heavy attack with it was like a rocket launcher type thing. I but See, I'm, I ran out quite a bit, but that's because I was focused mainly on wind. Because okay. wind is the only one that has kind of a cool mechanic behind it. So, um... Uh, every time you do an attack, you're, of course, shooting it from your hand. Not in, like, a Bioshock way, but more in, like, I guess, a Naruto way, where you do the little hand motions and pew! Um, you, if you attack with wind in a rhythm, you shoot faster. And that's a cool idea of, like, yeah, okay, can you maintain your cool while shooting this weapon? Kind of like, you know, if you're playing a first-person shooter, it's like, alright, if you use burst fire, you don't have to deal with recoil kind of thing. Um, the fire and the water were just kind of, if you need them, for me. But I mainly focused on wind. 
I, another thing we should bring up is the talismans. Like, they try to mix it up a little bit. And I think it kind of falls flat on its face. Um, the stealth talisman is, like, the <laughs> most useless thing ever. You just, and there's a bush. And you're like, okay, what, what do I do with this? Because even if you yeah. attack someone, eh, you might get one or two. But those stealth talismans aren't cheap. No, they're not. So um, it, it does... There's definitely there's not enough in the talismans. There's there's not enough of any one particular bit of these mechanics to make the open world maintain its enjoyability. That's the, the core problem is it's spread too thin across this whole open world, and they've clearly put a lot of time and effort and love into the story missioned indoor bits and the linear bits that you get to. There's so much good in there that they just slapped this open world over the top and went ah. Yeah, it's okay. good enough. Yeah, like like yeah. this smacks of early 2000s designs where it's like, but what if people finish our game too fast? I know. Let's put a bunch of random stuff in there. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be a little more harsh as things go on because that's kind of how it felt to play the game. This game has an amazing opening hook. Uh, Craig, would you like to explain the opening hook? Yeah, so like, you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong for the most part here, but the, the opening bit that makes you want to play this even uh, even more than what you might want to play is there's this massive explosion in Tokyo and shit happens and there's people at that junction and one person has managed to survive it. He gets up and it turns out he can hear this voice inside of his head and he has been inhabited by the dead or spirity person Kiki or whatever his name is. Kiki, yeah. Kiki, Kiki. Uh, and he's having to come to terms with the fact that everyone around him's souls have been stolen, but he's survived and he's somehow got to learn that this this must have been done before. I'm sure it has. You know, like when so, when Venom first gets into Tom Hardy in the film, like that kind of thing where he's like, oh no, I'm stuck. Um, if KK ever leaves him, he's going to die. It reminded but, me first of uh, Shadow of Mordor. Um, like like it, the premise is ripped almost whole cloth from that. Okay. Um, but you got this really cool hook of like, like for me, what the hook was, was, oh, he's got half a face now. And then yeah, yeah. And B, that parade. You're like, oh, oh, oh the yeah. parade. Um, so if you've ever seen anything like uh, a Studio Ghibli movie, uh, like Pompoko, you know, there's, there's that pr- procession of spirits that is in Japanese mythology. And you see that coming through the Shibuya crossing. And it looks really cool. The designs are great. And it's just enough to be like, well, I want to I want to do that. And off you go. And it, it's a great hook. And they do a very smart thing of limiting your options at the beginning. This is not like a Zelda or a Far Cry. But they're just like, eh, have at it. They do a smart job of limiting you. Did you, now, I, I know this is a loaded question because we've talked about it, but you very much enjoyed the linear sections more than the exploratory oh. ones. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that is the most loaded of questions. So when you're in the open world, you're Ubisoft in your way through this and you're already feeling a wee bit tired and every so often your story mission involves a linear section. It could be inside a building, it could be an epic event leading up to a boss fight where you're sucked into another world. All of these things, the indoor sections, this linear sections, these story missions have like 
Uncharted 4 quality storytelling and gripping and really cool, like, the really cool, really unique things happen, won't spoil anything too much, like what we spoke about before we started recording, but yeah, it's very, very, very good, and it immediately, like, not immediately, maybe about halfway through the game, I all I wished for was that this was an 8 to 10 hour linear game, rather and the open world was just gone completely like i i I was so conflicted at that point because i wanted to love the whole thing as much as possible but i couldn't the linear bits are fantastic and that's weird for you because you're mr exploratory exactly i I, like that that's that's that is telling yeah like okay so you're like 100 i know surprise surprise dave and craig kind of agree on something um, and at, when when I first started the game, I was like, ah, eh, maybe, you know, not to be disparaging, but, you know, eh, maybe Craig's just, you know, not feeling it and he's rushing through the story missions and they're the highlight. I'll make sure I take my time and explore. Three hours later, I was dead with my tongue on the floor. Um, <laughs> I did, I did as much due diligence as my poor little brain could handle. I got, okay, here, here's where we're going to talk about spirits. So, you remember Riddler trophies from Batman? Somebody at Tango Gameworks thinks they are the best thing ever. Um, There is, of course, a buttload of people in Tokyo. And pretty much every one of them is represented by a blob of spirits. Now, they are all over your map everywhere. Like, literally, you cannot turn around without seeing a blob of spirits. So, you're Uh like, well... I'm Luigi. This is this is my ghost uh-huh. vacuum. Time to start sucking. Um, um, there are an inordinate amount of these spirits to the point where I went on a spirit collecting binge for like two and a half hours straight, and still didn't put a dent in it. And of course, you have your different districts. So think of it as there are now roughly two hundred and twenty-five Riddler trophies for you to get. On top of collecting all this others, on top of going to the shrines, on top of finding the Tanuki, and it just grinds you down to where you don't care. Now it really does. On top on top of that, for a lot of the game, maybe three quarters of the game, you've got a limited amount you can collect, and then you have to find yeah. a phone box to return. That, them. I was just gonna touch on that, and they don't even <laughs> okay, let so you I'm... just go on this collection spree. Um you have I don't know what they're called, but those little paper people mm-hmm. that that you use to suck up the spirits to transfer them over and you can only hold a certain amount so you'll be on a spree of like oh hey good i found a, a line kind of like tony hawk where oh i can collect like eight at once oops i'm full four four spirits in gotta go back to the mm-hmm. phone booth um there's a lot about this game like that that feels archaic and that's so strange to see did it really is. did any of the side content just based on its hooks alone, interests you? Well, yeah, some some of them do because some of them, you know, you come across a spirit and it's like, oh, my house burnt down and blobbity bloop, and it's not it's not the biggest piece of content in the world, but there's some really well written. Again, it's like a mini linear bit. There's a really well written interaction and bit of action and excitement 
thrown in the mix. It, t- it takes a while to find these things, but it, like you find a good one, and that like that burning burnt down house one, you have to go and figure out someone had a grudge and blah and blah, and before you know it, you've you've helped these spirits move on to the other side or whatever the fuck they do. It's it's a good wee thing, but again, wasted by... It, it got to the point where even those, I was like, nah, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping for anything. I was footballing my way through enemies. I wasn't collecting anything. The 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 story was what it was all about. Yeah, and, and I, I stopped and tried to do as many as I could. And like there are, like you said, there are some really cool things. Like there was one about a landlord that, that let his house go to crap and yeah, somebody yeah. died in it. And it's really cool little source and... Again, I don't mean to be offensive to um, any of our Japanese friends, but Japanese stories tend to have high drama, very over dramatic. This is written in a you know you know the the kind where you're on a mountaintop and there's a lightning clash and then two two people run at each other with swords. None of that here. This is written very down to earth. Mm-hmm. Like there there's no over even in the main story, and we'll touch on this later. But I was surprised at how grounded it was. And that's really dumb to say about a game with a monster that will steal your poop. But the the way it's written is very believable. It's not high drama. And in the side quest, that really plays into it. Um, Not to be uh, too hyperbolic. But the side quest kind of reminded me of The Witcher. How, yeah, sure, you're going through the woods and you're killing Neckers and all that. And you're like, ooh, a side quest. And you're you're kind of happy to see a side quest because it's a nice little short story yeah. diversion. And it's kind of ruined by everything else in this place. Okay, uh, there. I, I want to talk about some things that are, I think, unequivocal wins. And this is a really dumb one. But okay. the motions with the hands... Are super cool. Uh, yeah, they are. They are. They're a very I'm nice flavor be... touch. They are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get, given the context of the game, they are. It's it's nice. You do different things. You do things. Uh, the the towers that you unlock in this Ubisoft adventure are Tory gates. The big ghostly white gates, and you do a funky hand motion. You lock and unlock doors spiritually. Using your hands and or even when you expose the core of an enemy, you do that thing with the string where you pull the string. Ah, it's really cool. As as yeah, right. I I think I think some of the um, small things, like in a yakuza way, small things like shaking up the the sticks to get your fortune. That's a Mm real the really cool little flavor things that make exploring not so terrible. That I wanted to make sure I, I kind of spotlighted and like, hey, I, I enjoyed this. It didn't have that same Yakuza thing of like, I feel immersed in another culture, but it did have a, oh, hey, that's something I don't know about kind of thing. Um, all right. Do you have anything else to talk about mechanics before we actually crack into the story? No. No, I do not. All right, Craig. Thank you for answering that question. <laughs> Um, okay, so if you haven't played Ghostwire Tokyo and you either think we're full of shit or you're like, well, I'm still curious about it, uh, you may want to stop here because we're going to talk about the story. Now, I'm going to say something dumb to start us Mm -hmm. off with. 
in terms of supernatural stories, this to me is better than Control. Well, I was Craig. <laughs> I was. I'm not anymore. Um, like, like this does play in those same kind of supernatural spaces. Um, oh God. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's it's the same. It's the same kind of like, not even room. The same building. It's the same city. As control apartment complex, they're in the same apartment complex yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just control is in the penthouse, and this is somewhere near where the heating is. Um, <laughs> the boiler room. Yeah, exactly. No, I I get what you're saying because the the sci not sci fi but the kind of spirit the spiritually supernatural drama supernaturalness to it does have an element like I I was I kept on thinking of things like the X Files and stuff like that like or not the X Files but do you call it. What's the one that's got that guy in it from that program? Oh, um, hold on. Uh, Keeping Up Appearances. Nope, nope. Okay. The guy that's in it is from Dawson's Creek. The guy that's in it? I've never seen an episode of Dawson's Creek, Craig. All right, okay. This is going terribly. So the guy that's in it, he's in Dawson's Creek, is Joey and... No, Jamie. Joey in Dawson's Creek, or is that Friends? Are you talking about the show Supernatural? Nope. Okay. It's like the X Files, except it ten- it turns out there's two dimensions, and um, quantum there's break? a woman. Um, no, that's a game. <laughs> I have no idea, dude. I I am drawing such a blank. I have no idea. Yeah, I'll come back to me. I'll come back to me. anyway. Yeah, it it's got it's got some supernatural coolness to it, but it's just it's nowhere near, like Control takes sci fi supernatural coolness. This is more traditional supernatural ghosties like i i didn't care about the story at all i liked i liked no that's not true i didn't not care about the story i liked the story but it wasn't like oh my god i can't believe my sister's there yeah yeah okay i understand that a little like definitely <laughs> like the guy in the hanya mask right like the main villain uh-huh villain uh-huh. villain as, <laughs> as you say um he was kind of predictable. Like, the moment you got his backstory, like, I got it. I know what's going on. Right? The way they played it, like, they wrote it kind of in a way where they expected you to already be grokked to what's going on. I liked that. Uh, the yeah. stuff with your sister. Yes. Very uh, stereotypical stuff happens. Mm-hmm. But on the opposite end... All the stuff that happens with like KK's team is yeah, not yeah. what I expected. I expected the I'm gonna get the band back together because you know I have KK in my brain, and it's not. Mm-hmm. They're all like, "Well, fuck off. We got shit to do." Yeah, I thought that was a great way to play it. Uh, th- every time you defeat one of the mini bosses, which I do want to talk about the mini bosses because there was the one that I thought was really. Oh, you know what? Talk about it now. Talk about it now. Okay, the stealth one. You know the stealth one? I can't remember. All right, so remember. Craig watched this game on YouTube, didn't actually play it. No, remember the one where it's like the giant cat and you have to kind of sneak around and oh, pop it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool idea. Could have been fun. Ended up feeling like a chore because 
Guess how many times you had to hit the tail before it would break, Greg? 400,000. Ooh, you're close. The answer is three. So just like Mario, supernatural spirits only <laughs> need three hits to die. Um, uh-huh. I, I thought the story about the wife and the kid were kind of interesting. I mean, the motivations there were like, yeah, 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 you want to bring him back to life. Whatever, that's fine. Uh, the same with, like, the... I can't remember the main guy's name, Craig. Hanya. No, 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 no. Hanya is the uh, the villain with the, the blood coming down the mask. I meant the main character. Oh, oh the main character, not the main bad guy. Yeah. Uh... The, his relationship with KK is done very well, where KK kind of doesn't care. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I like that. I thought a lot of the interpersonal relationships were done well. Yeah. Yeah, like, like you genuinely, you, you see them too. There, there is growth in their relationship. Uh-huh. They have a fun time. Sometimes they are separated and then they get back together and there is an appreciation there of all of that. And their dialogue is genuinely funny at times. And just a bit like, oh. oh genuinely God, funny at times until you hear him complain about how long you took to shop for the 400th time. And then you're like, Shut up, dude. Just shut up. Um, I am curious as to why the story didn't draw you in. Like, what was it about it that kind of Tefloned off of you? I, it, it was, it didn't Teflon off me. I was a bit harsh earlier. I'm really sorry. I was still riding on the mechanics. <laughs> um, it's just, it was just fairly, it was told really well. And I found that, like, I wanted to find out what was happening next. I found it fairly gripping. But at the end of the day, when you sat back and looked at it, and now we've had time to think about it, I was a bit like, it was just kind of like an average story told really well, yeah, okay. but muddied with... I'll, I'll, I'll even agree with that a little bit. It's, a, it's like a rote story, but told very well. Kind yeah, of like, yeah. like a Marvel movie, right? Yeah. You know what the outcome's going to be. There's no suspense there, but it's just told in a very entertaining way. Turns out the guy bitten by the spider, Craig, gonna turn mm-hmm. out to be Spider-Man. No, you yes! spoiled that. I know, I'm sorry. Spoilers for Spider-Man. Just as a whole. Um Okay. So there were, I think, a couple of really big highlights, and that was the Rinko sequences. Uh mm-hmm. if you would like to since you're our supernatural correspondent, Craig, what do I mean by the yes. Rinko sequences? Well, yeah, these were kind of like trippy, spooky, gravity-shifting, twisting sequences that were very linear. You, you know, you're, the world is shifting around about you. You're looking left, you're looking right, you're looking left and something's changed. Or you go through a door and all of a sudden you're in the ceiling. Think in control terms like the cigarette maze in control where everything is shifting and it just rips you away from being grounded at all in any real place they are fantastically done in this they are fantastic and it's mostly like either a chase scene or getting working your way to a boss or something's just feeling a bit iffy and the building you're in is under attack by the external forces so everything's collapsing around about you because the fog is moving into you know like that kind of way the setup's great for them and what happens inside it is just I loved it. That was that was probably like the, the absolute highlight of the game was those bits. Oh, just some of the visuals it hits you with, with like there's mm. a, think of like an ocean with no waves, 
and then a house made of glass or a box made of glass with the fire on the inside. Like, it is just a really artistically done cool sequences that happen. And this is what you play, and you're like, why isn't the rest of the game like this? Yeah. Guys. Why is the rest of the game a shit open world? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did, you, did you owe Ubisoft a favor? What's going on? Um, I would also like to note that uh, this is the third game in a row that Shinji Mikami has done that deals with maybe losing a family member to a fire. I don't know the man's history, but there's a theme going on there. Oh, yeah. There's a theme of fire, and there's a theme of... I'm a shit dad in all three of these games since he left Capcom. I wonder if the man has regrets. I'm not sure. Either that, either that or it's games about Capcom and Capcom is the dad. Ooh, I like this. I like that. Uh -huh. um, all right. So the fire is, of course, a visualization of the pressure he felt working under Capcom. Mm -hmm. And the, okay. And it was a disapproving. I like this, Craig. This is good. We can yeah. write an English paper on this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much out of these. Because, you know what? It'd be kind of like spoiling a playthrough of PT. I know that's a really old thing to pull. Or like Stanley Parable. You, you don't spoil a playthrough of Stanley Parable because it's a really cool thing everybody should experience for themselves. And I kind of feel that way about these sequences. So, we're not going to spoil it any more than that. But what we are going to do, Craig, is, well, kind of come to the end of this. Like, I don't have much more to say about this. No. So, do you want to wrap up with some final thoughts? Yeah, like, no, I, my final thoughts are very, not, not different to what I've said already. I enjoyed the ever-loving fuck out of the linear sections of this. I enjoyed the story, despite it being a wee bit predictable and not entirely my flavour. Like, my flavour is control. If I had a flavour, yeah. it would be control. I love the way the town... I thought it'd be pistachio. I love the way the town looked, or the city looked. Uh, it's neonness. It, it, it reminded me of things like... Yakuza, or even Deus Ex. The way Deus Ex loses, uses neon and light is is fantastic. Um, this this game had so much good in it, but completely and utterly tarnished, tarred, feathered, and fucked by a shit open world and monotonous combat for me. Like, and I I've started with the good bit, and now I've done the bad bit. So just to reiterate, I did really like it. Despite the open, I tried to do a shit sandwich there, but I, I was going to say, way, way to go the HR route. Yeah, no, um, that just didn't work at all. I, I, it's worth the play. Always, like I would say, it's, it's worth a play. It's entertaining, you know. It's, it's got ups and downs. It's just, I, I do wish with all of my heart that it was a really short, story-driven, linear game. I'm going to parrot a good chunk of what you say. There's so much that is good about this game. And that's everything from the enemy design to the linear sections to just the flavor is not something you see very often. You don't see modern Japanese paranormal games. Just don't. Um, but you're right. This is, this is not a case of wasted potential. 
to me, and this is a guy who has never made a video game and hopefully never will, um, this seems like misdirected resources to me. Like, it seemed like they had that bullet point for must have an open world. And I don't think that bullet point should have existed. Like, you guys are so good at crafting things. If Resident Evil has taught us anything, it's that a seven-hour game, if it's good, can leave a hell of an impact. Uh, and this just gets so watered down by that stupid open world stuff. And you're right. And I'm not against, like, at first I thought, oh, crap, maybe I'm falling out of interest with open world games. So, I, you know what I played after this, Craig? I played Biomutant. And you know what? That's a game that would, would have a lot of the same conversation going on with it. But I enjoyed the open world there. Here I didn't. And I think a lot of it comes down to that, it almost feels like insecurity of like, well, we don't want people to be done with this so quick. We want people to make sure they get their money's worth. And you kind of diluted it. I'm looking... Now, while I cannot say anymore, Shinji Mikami has never let me down, I can still say I'm very interested to see what you do next. Because if you take that lesson forward, what you do next could be phenomenal. What about you? How, how do you feel about this? Like, is this enough of a left a, a note on your brain to be like, all right, watch what they do next? Probably, yeah. But it would if if it if there was a whiff of open world, I think I would be done. I wouldn't if there was a Ghostwire Tokyo Ghostwire Tokyo Ghostwire Ghostwire Tokyo. What way is it? Ghostwire Tokyo colon Breakpoint. Oh, oh no! If we're talking Breakpoint, yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, there's enough for me to see what they do and see what the what the theming is and what the, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if there's going to be enough to have full comp. Like this is not going to be a. I'm pre-ordering his yeah. next game. The interesting thing that I find is, and uh, I'm going to keep my comments light because we might do this game at some point. Evil Within Two. Um, there are open world sections in that game. It's a very linear game with small open-world pockets that work really well. And I think they just got too overconfident in what they accomplished in the open-world pockets and just said, make it bigger. And then that just kind of ruined everything. But that's what we think about Ghostwire Tokyo. What do you think about Ghostwire Tokyo? If you would I like to... I told you. Oh. Oh, right. Sorry. Should I we have been recording? <laughs> uh, if you would like to let us know what you think we, we we got wrong, what we got right, what we got in the middle like a taco, then you can do so at thebiteffect.com where we have a nice contact form or you can even suggest a game that we will take a look at. So far, our recommended games to look at have a pretty high batting average. So, so uh, yeah, let's, let's keep that streak going. So thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time on whatever game comes next, I'm not sure what's in the recording schedule. Um, up next, FTL and <gasps> Stellaris. All right, two or, or FTL or Stellaris or and Stellaris because it's going to be two separate episodes now. Yes. Um, turns out Stellaris is a big old game, but are these going to be two games that? leap away from the hoary grasp of Earth's gravity to soar among the stars? Or will it explode? 
as soon as it comes off of the launch pad. Join us next time on FTL and then Stellaris. How did that work? Was that a good, like... That was good. Okay, all right, good, all right. So, anyway, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time where we try not to eject Craig into space because there happens to be a fire on a different part of the ship. (laughs) 